0: them. I want to talk to you tonight about the apostolic equation. We are apostolic. And if you don't know what the word apostolic means, that is not a denominational or religious terminology. That means that we adhere to uh, the apostles doctrine, apostles apostolic uh, doctrine. And we believe in the demonstration of miracles, signs and wonders such as they did and as Jesus taught and trained them to do. Now, um, obviously, we are not there yet Uh, as a church. We are not fully apostolic. We are doing everything that we can to be apostolic. But if we are not coming up with the right answer, and we are not getting the right result, then there is something that is missing in the equation. Now, I, I think that we are apostolic by modern-day terminology, but when I go back and measure against the book of Acts church, we fall short. And so I want to talk to us tonight about that. We, we have to measure what we are doing for and in the kingdom of God based on our obedience to apostolic principles and not by comparing our results uh, to someone else's ministry or church or, or what have you and saying, well, we, you know, we seem to be uh, doing a little bit better than they are. That's not the way that we determine if we are the apostolic church. We're not in competition with one another. And the numbers belong to God. It's his kingdom; it's not ours. It's his increase; it's not ours. But but we have to be intentionally apostolic, or we're not going to be apostolic at all. You believe that? Say, Amen. amen. So we have only one perfect model for the church, and the only uh, and there's only one perfect model for ministry, and of course. The perfect model for the church is the church in the book of Acts. We pattern everything that we do after the church in the book of Acts. And the perfect model for ministry is, of course, the ministry of Jesus Christ. The scriptures said, and forgive me uh, back there uh, for not giving you these scriptures. I didn't know what I was going to teach tonight until about 10 minutes before service. Uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Everybody say, he hath anointed me. He's anointed me. Now, he didn't just say that he hath anointed me. He said he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He didn't anoint me just to be anointed. He anointed me to do something. The anointing is there for a purpose. Jesus said, he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, or what we know in the Old Testament as Jubilee, which happened every 50 years and The New Testament church is the eternal model of Jubilee, where we get everything back we lost, our debts are canceled, our bodies are healed, our souls are saved, and we are recovered from any form of bondage and slavery. If you're thankful for that, say amen. Amen. So this is the summary statement of uh, true ministry. It really doesn't get much more complicated than that it doesn't get any simpler than that it is the lord has anointed you to do something for his his kingdom now the matter the matter of sincerity in ministry can be found in a teachable spirit and a sensitive ear we have to have a teachable spirit And a sensitive ear. This is not limited by age, young or old. There's no limitations on that. But as long as we have a teachable spirit and a sensitive ear, God desires to use us in ministry. So you don't outgrow teachability. And you don't outgrow sensitivity to the voice of God and sincerity. In Luke chapter 8 verse 16 in the New Living Translation The media people back there are just going to kill me, and I'm very sorry. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear to those who listen to my teaching. He said, pay attention to how you hear to those who listen to my teaching. More understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Now, I understand that to say that as long as we continue this pursuit of God and this pursuit of being all things apostolic, then the Lord is going to continue to give us more and more understanding. We don't have all the understanding that God's ever going to give us. But if we are not listening to the voice of the Spirit he said, even what they you think that you understand will be taken away from you, and I don't want that to happen. Now, all of the below that I'm gonna read here has to come by revelation. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 10 uh, through 15 in the Passion Translation says, Then his disciples approached Jesus and asked, Why do you always speak to people in these hard to understand parables? He explained. You've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation. Are you listening tonight? Until he has more than enough. To those that are listening with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But to those who don't listen... With an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. That's why I teach the people using parables, because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their heart are closed. A teachable and a sincere spirit is imperative in our relationship with God and ministry and becoming all things apostolic. Are you listening tonight? So this is... This is very, very important. I, I have met people through the years, and so have you, that have said, you know, I, I would read my Bible, but it's so hard to understand, and, uh, you know, I can't use that King James version. I have to use all those other translations that have taken stuff out and watered it down and smoothed stuff over that was meant to cut and stuff like that, and they've, they put sugar on top and, and, and uh, m- turned it into a little a strawberry shortcake Bible. And and so I don't read King James James, because it's hard to understand. And even the easy translations that are easier to understand, it doesn't make sense to me either. This is the kind of people that Jesus was talking about. He said, they are satisfied with the understanding that they have. And they believe they have all the understanding that they need. Therefore, they are not hungry for more understanding. And he said, if they would listen with an open heart and a teachable spirit... I would give them progressively more and more revelation. I want to tell you, you better be reading your Bible. You you cannot depend on everything in the Scripture that must be preached. You can't wait for that to be preached from the pulpit. There's too much in the Word of God. We're going to tell you in principle. We're going to share as much as we can, but we only have a few hours a week to get this into people's ears and into their hearts You need to get in the word of God and tell the Lord, I'm hungry, I need revelation, and the Lord will give you more and more understanding. Principle number one in the apostolic church is apostolic prayer. I encourage you to write these down. Principle number one is apostolic prayer. Everything is wrapped in prayer. Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, The place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And I ask you this not long ago, but is our prayer shaking the place? Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I ask you this recently as well, is our prayer prayer releasing the captive from prison. Now, I know Peter was praying, but the church was praying, and the Bible tells us it was the prayer of the church that released the angel to go and free Peter from prison. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, he said, But we will give ourselves continually, everybody say "continually," continually, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We must have apostolic prayer. We can't have enough of prayer. We cannot turn the house of God into a performance hall. This is not, this is not uh, Broadway. It's, it's not uh, some kind of playhouse. It is the house of prayer. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer for all people. So we pray in the house. We pray in our old house. We pray in our prayer closet. We pray Without ceasing, ceasing. Number two, principle is apostolic government. Everybody say fivefold ministry. Now, if a person does not believe in fivefold ministry, it, it may be because they don't have a true revelation of it, or maybe because they don't like where they fit in it. But to say that the five-fold ministry doesn't exist in modern times is to deny. The five ministry gifts that God gave to the church. These are the five ministry gifts that God gave to the church. Now we have the ministry of helps and all that kind of stuff, and we'll get to that in a moment. So we can't we can't afford to be immature about it. If God gave those gifts to the church to edify and perfect the church, then they exist, and they exist in modern times. As long as the church exists, there is a five-fold ministry. And I know some of you are sitting there going, we, we know this already. You would be shocked how many people do not believe this today. You would be shocked at preachers that are getting together Bible studies to prove that there are no apostles and prophets today. They're wasting their time. As long as there is the church, there is the five-fold ministry, a person's blindness to their existence does not diminish the validity or extinguish the existence of the fivefold ministry. And the fivefold ministry exists for three reasons: for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying edifying of the body of Christ. And we can't accomplish these three things without all five gifts working together. The reason why people come in here and it's so powerful and all that is because there are some apostolic principles being applied. Number one, I feel like we're doing okay on apostolic prayer, but we have a continual moving through this building of fivefold ministry at any given time for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and for the work of the ministry. The third principle in the apostolic church is the apostolic gifts of the Spirit. Now, everything that prophesies is not a prophet. And everyone that calls themselves a prophet or an apostle is not necessarily one. Matter of fact, if you have to call yourself one, you're probably not one. If you have to put it on a billboard or business card, there's a good chance that you're not you're not doing the work of a prophet or the work of an apostle because people would know it now you are you you either are one or you are not one these are important but the gifts of the spirit leaving off the fivefold ministry the gifts of the spirit is for everybody in the body of Christ the gifts of the Spirit, and I've often said this, the gifts of the Spirit are more p- powerful when they are subtle. When they are gently leading you through your daily life. You don't have to get shocked when the Lord speaks to you. It gives you a word of knowledge or a prophetic word. And then you're talking to someone and they go, Oh my goodness, I've been praying about that and that's the answer that I need. You, d- you don't have to go pat yourself on the, on the back on social media. You didn't do anything that nobody else in the body of Christ doesn't have access to. As a matter of fact, some of you are more led by the gifts of the Spirit than you even realize. If you have a daily prayer life, I'm going to tell you, you are being led by the gifts of the Spirit. That knowledge that the Lord gives you that you couldn't find any other place, that wisdom, the light bulb that comes on, that revelation in a given situation, you had something that you knew about, that's knowledge, but you didn't have the wisdom to execute it, and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, here it comes, and you know, oh, here's what I'm going to do. That's exactly what I need to do. That's called the word of wisdom. It doesn't have to be a, a big display, okay? His prophetic gifts, uh, the, the gifts of healing, which I don't have time to talk about. I believe they're gifts of healing. They're gifts of healing, plural. They're gifts of healing, and there is the working of miracles. Gifts of healing. I believe that everything that has to do with the healing of the body, not a creative miracle, but everything that has to do with the healing of the body comes from the gifts of healing. And it's accompanied more times than not with the gift of faith. The working of miracles is something different. That's a Red Sea being uh, uh, parted that's... that's uh, that's a sun standing still, that's water being turned to wine, that's water being turned to blood, that's plagues coming on the land, that's uh, w- whatever else. Those are, those are miracles, the working of miracles. Are you with me tonight? And I believe that, that, uh, that every person, you, you walk with God, and I know we're trying to make it this big demonstration and all that kind of stuff. It should be seamless. You're part of the body of Christ. Have a walk with God, and the Lord will activate his gifts in you, and you will move and flow in the Holy Ghost whenever he needs you. It's like a tool in a, in a toolbox. If, if I've got a job to do and it requires a ratchet, I don't, I don't need to break out a handsaw. I leave the handsaw hanging over here on the wall or sitting in the toolbox, and I get the ratchet. Don't get offended if you're the handsaw and God reaches for the ratchet. Because five days from now, he might need the handsaw and put the ratchet back in the toolbox. The eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of you. You're, You're a part of the body, and the gifts of the Spirit are given by the same Spirit. That's the Holy Ghost. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you have access to the nine gifts of the Spirit. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be an apostle, so forth. You don't have to be in pulpit ministry, nothing. That's for the body of Christ. The fourth principle it's apostolic miracles. Mark chapter 16, verse 20, they went forth and preached everywhere. They say everywhere. The Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. The Lord was already ascended up into heaven. Jesus was already ascended up into heaven, but that same Jesus was working with them, confirming the word with signs following. If you want miracles in your life, give God a word to have to confirm. The miracles are for the confirmation of the word. The signs follow the word of God. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And I don't have time to talk about that, but that's a sermon in itself. Because a lot of people rejected him there. Well, here it is right here. I do have time to talk about it. Verse 13, in the New Living Translation said, but no one... This, this is continuing. But no one else dared to join them. There were miracles taking place. They were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. But no one dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Folks, listen to me. There's a reason why people appreciate and respect the anointing of God on your life. And they cannot deny God's miraculous power in your life. And they appreciate everything that God, God is doing with you and through you. But they will not join themselves to you. People have the right to reject the miraculous. And I'm not cussing here, but they have the right to go to hell. People have the right to be lost. You cannot make people be saved that don't want to be saved. If they don't join themselves to you... You don't have to hang your head and say, I don't understand. Just three miracles were done right there in front of their face. It was plain as the hand in front of their face, and they did not want to join themselves. I don't know what's wrong with these, but what's wrong with them is they don't want to live for God. And so there was a group of people that did not join themselves to the apostles in spite of the fact that the miracles were taking place. But the next verse said, verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. So there were people that wouldn't join themselves, but they had high regard for them. But there were believers that were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. So you got to find the believers and let those that reject the power of God, let them decide for themselves. Verse 15, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. Amen. Demonstrate the power of God, and I promise you, you will find believers that will join themselves to you and say, hey, since God can do that, I've got a sick relative, or I've got a growth in my body or I was just diagnosed with cancer or they told me something's wrong with me but I don't know what it is but God's got to have available conduits that are a part of the body of Christ that will let the miraculous do what it's supposed to do and by the way, the miraculous did not generate Roman persecution it generated persecution from religious people your strongest critics are always going to be religious people. What's wrong with them? They're religious. The word religion was used three times in the Bible. I think twice it was spoken of negatively. And the third time, Jesus said pure religion and undefiled is this, to visit the widows and poor and whatever. That's what real religion is, but not this religion that we have today. Number five, are you with me, is apostolic doctrine. Doctrine, that means something received or instruction. Acts chapter 5 and verse 28, our our doctrine is not just Acts 2.38. It's everything that the Bible teaches. That's the apostolic doctrine. In Acts 5 and 28, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Christ was the word. He fulfilled the law. I believe that the miraculous is directly affected by our doctrine. Listen to me. The more you separate from the world, the more of God you receive. I want you to listen very closely because people that sit around and nitpick things in the scripture and say, well, I don't like that. Well, that church doesn't preach against that stuff. Why do y'all preach against it? Because the Lord told me it was wrong. Why do y'all preach for that? They they don't preach for that because I'm not comparing myself with them. I'm comparing myself with what the Lord showed me in the word of God, and that is what we're responsible for. But what's in this building is special. There is a special kind of authority in this building. The reason is, is because there is a high level of conviction. It's not just the prayer. It's, it's not any kind of program. It is the distinction and the separation from the world that we refuse to compromise. It doesn't matter what year it is. It doesn't matter what generation it is. We're not going back on what the Lord has already told us. It was wrong. If it was wrong in 1982, it's wrong in 2021. If it was wrong in 1950, it's wrong in 2021. The more you separate from, God, from the world, the more of God you receive. Amen. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 32, they were astonished at his doctrine. For his word was with power. Not storytelling. Not catchy stories. No. The stories he told were kingdom principles. They were life or death. They were heaven or hell issues. They They were stories that he told. His parables at the end of them, many times, he would say, He that hath an ear. Or he would tell a story about the one that was... The villain in the in the story, or the one that didn't do right in the story, and he said that person will be cast into a furnace of fire where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the stories Jesus told. Not anecdotes. And I'm not, you know, I'm all for, hey, make the, make it entertaining if you want to. But you make sure and preach and teach with power. Make sure that you are you're anointed when you teach and preach. Make make sure that the sinner feels uncomfortable when you teach and preach. I'm not talking about being rude to them, but the sinner needs to understand you cannot continue in your sin and live for God at the same time. And so I'm going to preach you out of your sins so that you can live for God. I'm not going to tell you that everything's going to be okay for you while you're living in sin, but if you will come out of your sin and separate from the world, the Lord will begin to do great things in your life. Paul against Elamus the sorcerer in Acts chapter 13 and verse 12. The Bible said then the deputy when he saw what was done believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. The miracle signs and wonders accompany the doctrine. You preach the wrong doctrine. You do not get the miracle signs and wonders. If you do they're fabricated at best. Number six. Is apostolic fellowship. Now, I talked about this recently, so I won't go, I won't spend a lot of time, but we talked about koinonia, the the Greek word, and we talked about our small groups, and and it goes beyond that. Uh, You know, Bible studies, one on one Bible study, small group Bible studies, or our small group uh, fellowship groups. Um, Very powerful. That is a principle that we must have. To be fully apostolic. That means participation or communion. Fellowship does. In Acts 2 and 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles. Doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread. And in prayers. And I made the point. uh, Some of the same things I said. uh, A few services ago. I'm going to make them again tonight. I believe it's important. Who we fellowship with. Because we are joining ourselves to them. We are participating with them. It's one thing to be reaching out, being a witness. Another thing, you don't go participate. You know, hey, should I go to the bar room to try to reach the alcoholic? No. We don't participate with them, and we don't let our good be evil spoken of. So we should fellowship with the people connected to the right doctrine. Apostolic fellowship is not just spending time, but it's deeper than that. Participation with and communion with There's been a trend with some through the years of spending time with false prophets and false teachers. Why? When I'm trying to win them to God, then why are they changing you instead of you changing them? Why are you the one stuttering around and fumbling around and and afraid to speak up and trying to put lace and peanut butter on top of your words so you can be so sweet that you don't offend them. If they get offended at the truth, that's not your fault. I'm not I'm not proposing you be ugly, but teach the word of God with power and be anointed and use the authority that God has placed upon your life. If you're gonna try to reach a false prophet, amen. Teach him the word. And I'm gonna talk about the posture of that here in just a moment. So let's convert them, but let's not participate with them and let's not have communion with them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, the scripture said, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to idols. The Gentiles, that's us, but the Lord was reaching for them and Paul was reaching them. He's talking to Jewish people, Jewish believers here, but he said the Gentiles... Sacrifice. Gentiles sacrifice too. Gentiles have churches too. They have worship centers too. They look a lot like God's worship centers. Matter of fact, they use the word God, and they do talk about Jesus in them. But the problem is their sacrifices are unto devils because they are not changing the way they live. They are are exalting God, but they are living a different lifestyle. And he said, I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. He didn't say, I would not that you have, shouldn't have fellowship with Gentiles, even though that's who he was talking about. He said, they're sacrificing the devils, and I don't want you having fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. What a powerful scripture. Number seven, apostolic boldness. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, not the meanness, but the boldness, not the slanderous, but the boldness, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. See, here's what I don't understand is... People talking about spending time with Jesus but they are so passive and timid about their belief and about their faith about what they know about God about being moved on by His presence. Yes, the creator of the universe is going to move on you but you're going to sit here and just bow your head and not say anything. No, there's a boldness that comes on you. I think we are seeing a trend throughout Christendom and a lot of times in the apostolic church where we are increasing in knowledge and education but decreasing in faith and boldness. That's not the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, they prayed for it, They may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. They prayed for boldness. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 29, he taught them as one having authority, one having authority, and not as the scribes. They were not up there just reciting scripture. He was not up there reciting scripture. He was not just quoting scripture. He was not sharing stories about the scripture. He was not just giving them knowledge. He taught them as one having authority, which means he was making them responsible for the scripture. We don't need scribes. We need people with spiritual authority. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. A lion, again, I'm not telling you to be unkind. I'm not telling you to be rude. But for goodness sake, especially in this hour, be bold as a lion. Don't you hang your head because you're the only one in your office that believes what you believe and has what you have. I don't care what church they go to. I don't care what kind of program they have. It doesn't matter to me what kind of theological degree that they might have. Knowledge has nothing to do with authority. Be bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. And by the way, quit acting like the devil has power over you. He does not have power over you. The lion of the tribe of Judah, his anointing is on your life. Be bold as a lion. Number eight. Is apostolic order. Everybody say submission. And that's not just submission to those above us, but that is also apostolic order, I believe, is directly connected to respect for one another's gifts as well. A lot of times we find ourselves being governed by fans and critics. We decide what we're going to do next based on who approves of it or who doesn't approve of it. Don't worry about people's opinion. You've got a pastor. There's correction that needs to be made. The pastor will correct. If somebody, the Lord will do it himself. You would rather me do it. Because when the Lord does it, it takes a little while to figure it out. And like, what did I do? What should I be doing? Is this a test or an attack of the enemy? You know what I'm talking about? But submission is important. If the pastor puts approval and covering on you, because God puts his approval on you, it doesn't matter how many fans and how many critics that you have. Do not believe people's headlines about you, whether it's good or bad. If they're building you up, you don't have to share that on social media. If you're going to live according to the fans that you have on social media, then you're going to have to live according to the opinions of your critics as well. If you're pleasing God and you've got a right spirit, it doesn't matter who agrees with you and who disagrees with you. You cannot measure your identity by the polls. I felt like I'm speaking to seven people in here tonight. Am I making sense? Some people are trying too hard. (laughs) That's what... That's what social media is all about. I need approval. I need approval. I need approval. I need approval. Oh, it's a bad day. I need. I need pity. I need pity. I need pity. I need pity. I need somebody to tell me how pretty I am. I need somebody to tell me they like what I'm eating. I need somebody to tell me, oh, you've grown up and you're wonderful and your accomplishments and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm just, just. Being a fuddy-duddy, ain't I? That's just horrible. At some point, we have to grow beyond that—the need for affirmation. I know there's a lot of people that grew up without it, and I—and I promise you, I'm a human being too. And there's bad seasons that I go through that I'm wondering—I wonder if I do anything right. But in the end, this is what it all comes down to. My my conversation with the Lord sounds like this: God, I don't. I don't care what anybody ever says. I don't care if they ever sing my praises again. I don't care if, if they talk about me like a junkyard dog. I just need to know, are you and I okay? Am I pleasing you? Am I right with you? Lord, if there's something in me that you need to show me, reveal it in my heart so that I can get it out of my life. God, I'm a human being. I'm not God. I'm not you. I'm not perfect. I need to get this right with me, with you. And so this... A lot a lot of the affirmation, the covering, and the security and all that we need is, is found in apostolic order. Is your life in order? Are you in order? Are you in the right place in the kingdom? You can't be in order if you're out of the will of God. You have to be in the will of God to be in order. You have to be submitted to be in order. You have to love your neighbor as yourself to be in order. They had apostolic order. If you don't believe that, uh, read what is it? Uh, is it the fourth chapter of Acts or the fifth chapter of Acts with Ananias and Sapphira when they when they came and lied to Peter? Peter never even identified himself. He said, "You lied to the Holy Ghost." Why? Apostolic order. You're you're lying to the, to the man with the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse thirty-two, in the Living Bible, remember that a person who has a message from God has the power to stop himself or wait his turn. God is not one who likes things to be disorderly and upset. He likes harmony, and he finds it in all the other churches. Now, I, I believe this can not only apply to individual meetings like we're in tonight but ministry overall wait your turn that's what the scripture said man y'all are quiet tonight i'm just teaching I, I have been in churches where there's so much chaos the children are out of control people are out of control you got you got 99% of the church worshiping this way and you got some nut job over here that wants to be seen by everybody that's causing confusion in the church. That God is not the altar, confusion. That's why when we come together, we have to flow in sync. We have to be on the same page. We have to get in the flow and we have to find that. We don't swim upstream. Amen. One or two of us don't get to go the opposite direction to the other 99%. You say, well, I was feeling it and they weren't. They're all carnal and I'm spiritual, arguably. That's probably not the case. I was teaching along, preaching along recently. I was preaching somewhere in the universe in the last 20 years. I said recently, but that could be 20 years. And uh, there was was someone in the congregation that was, they were just absolutely a distraction to everybody. And what I wanted to do, I wasn't a pastor, but I wanted to go over and say, excuse me, We see you. We get it. You're loud, but you're disturbing what everybody else is trying to do. They're trying to feel after God, and you're over here beating holes in the wall. That's what I wanted to do, but I'm so nice. I would have never done that. But anyway, but that's what was going through my mind. And lo and behold, I'm teaching, and what little notes I had, For goodness sake, I was talking about being led by the Spirit, and it was in there. It was right in there. I didn't put it in there. God knew that it needed to be said. And I read it, and I said, let me tell you what spirituality is not. Number one, it's not this. It's not this. And number three, it's not being the loudest one in the church. I literally had it right there. I I wrote it down in my notes, what little notes I had. And when I said that, the man literally disappeared out of the sanctuary and went to the back of the building. Why are you so quiet? (laughs) Apostolic order. Everything has to be in order. Your life has to be in order. When we come together, it has to be in order. We have to flow in sync. We have to be hearing the same voice. We have to be doing. We have to be doing what the Lord wants us to do. We must have apostolic order to be the apostolic church. Number nine, am I boring you? Okay, if I was, I'm going to keep going anyway. Number nine, apostolic evangelism. We have to reach for the people that Jesus reached for. And they ministered in the streets, and they healed the sick in the streets. This is one of the key components that I believe is missing in the apostolic church because we are so timid about who we are, and what if I pray for somebody in the streets, and then nothing happens but street ministry was a part of the early church. We apparently, as a global church, have become so mature now that that stuff doesn't apply anymore. We don't dare want to go out in the streets. We have to get them in our building. And we have to put them through programs to get them all cleaned up and discipled and everything before, before God does anything in their life. Now, that is the end, the end goal is to get them discipled. But they went out into the streets and they went from house to house. And I promise you there are more miracles in the street than there will be in the house of God. I promise you that. When you go to overseas crusades and third world countries and you're out there in the open air and you've got, you've got 20,000 or you've got 250,000 people that are out in the middle of nowhere, you're, you're, you're out there. I mean, there are angelic hosts that gather together. In those meetings, it is so powerful. It is absolutely awesome to see what God does. There is a lot of ministry out there. Matthew chapter 10, he sent them out by two, house to house. Luke chapter 10, he sent 70 more out there, house to house, door to door. And he said, if they receive you, watch this, if they receive you, heal their sick. If they don't. Shake the dust off your feet. Well, I, I mean, that hurts my feelings. No, just shake the dust off your feet. We've got to find our way back to book of Acts, evangelism, and soul winning. And i got to hurry. Number 10 is apostolic unity. In Acts chapter 2, they were in one accord. They were in one place. They had all things common. But I believe part of our disunity it's tied to the fact that we are missing the Acts 5 and 11 principle that I talked about a moment ago with Ananias and Sapphira, Acts 5 and 11. Great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Now, my opinion my opinion, and that and whatever Coke costs now, will buy you a Coke. This, this is an opinion of mine, but it's a strong opinion, and I believe I can prove it biblically. And, and Brother uh, Erson preached about it when he was here on Sunday morning about the fear of the Lord. I believe the two greatest things that the apostolic church is missing is true apostolic authority and the fear of the Lord. Now, we have structural authority, but our apostolic authority is disjointed. People... Kill prophetic men. They kill apostles, and they try to discredit them. But there's going to come a day when the fear of God is going to come back to the church. I believe it is coming back to the church. I believe it is a lot of this. These strange deaths that we are seeing. I hate to even bring it up, but this. I mean, we just lost another one. Young well, young man, 48 years old. Preacher's son, his grandfather was a preacher, maybe his great-grandfather, I don't know, he may be fourth or fifth, fifth generation, 48 years old, just died suddenly today. What is happening? I don't know what all the re- he was saved, he was right, he was right with God, it was by all intents and purposes, we're not, we're not judging that. It's a tragedy. I believe the, the man went on to be with Jesus, but something is happening in this season And every time I hear something like that, a little shudder goes down through my spirit. This says, God, let me be right. Don't let me have the wrong attitude. You know what that is? That's called the fear of the Lord. Don't let me have thoughts in my mind that are not like you. Don't let me think the wrong thoughts. Don't let me say the wrong thing. Don't let me have the wrong attitude. I believe the fear of God is coming back to the church. I believe that's what a lot of this is about. I'm not saying God killed the man. That's not what I'm saying at all. But people are dying. They're dying every day. People are dying. It's crazy what is happening. I, you know, the whole COVID thing, I don't even know what all that's doing. But something different is going on. 2020 was the fear of COVID. 2021 is, is the fear of the Lord. God is trying to restore something to the people of God. We have got to have apostolic unity. And in order to have that, we've got to have the fear of God. We've got to be afraid of tearing another saint of God down we got to be afraid of attacking another preacher. So I believe the antidote to divisiveness is not silence. Instead, I believe the answer is proper spiritual authority. And people that have a word from the Lord and have spiritual authority, they are. it is incumbent upon them that they speak up. Y'all are really quiet. I don't believe the answer. the antidote to divisiveness is silence. It stands the reason that God speaks the truth and if we are listening to the spirit and not the news and not somebody else's opinion, we will hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. when people speak things contrary to what the spirit is saying, that's called division. Did you hear me? When people speak something contrary to what the Spirit is saying, that is called division. And can I just say this? The Spirit will say things about current events, and He will tell people what to do, and He will tell people what to say. Preachers aren't relegated to just Bible and Scripture. I'm not proposing they contradict the Bible. I'm I'm saying that we need to be hearing what the Spirit is saying and not what the government is saying and not what the news is saying and so forth. Number 11 is apostolic holiness. Apostolic holiness. The thing, I'm almost done, that repeatedly got Israel in trouble was the blending of secularism and Judaism. We are not secular Christians. We do not have to fit in with secular, secularism. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's Bible. We do not owe the world any kind of compromise. We don't have to apologize for our sanctification and our separation. We aren't insecure about it. We don't begrudge it. We have no regrets about it. We, it is a privilege for us to live the way we do. And it is a privilege to be separated from the things that we prayed that God would bring us out of when we repented of our sins. We didn't ask God to forgive us for living an unclean, unholy life so that he could save us and continue, we continue to live an unsaved, unholy life. Am I making sense? And so separation and distinction. And the perfect mixture of legalism and liberalism. The mixture... The perfect balance of legalism and liberalism. What do I mean when I say that? Well, that separation stuff, that holiness stuff is legalistic, says the liberal. Says the person that doesn't want to change anything about the way they live or anything about the way they look and their appearance or nothing. They don't want to change. They want to continue to look the way they looked in the world. And call everybody that doesn't want to do that because that was their identity when they were in the world that they had great disdain for. So they sum all of their disobedience up by pointing the finger and blaming somebody else and saying that's legalistic. Legalism is when you are obedient to the book. Without any relationship with God. You're obedient to the book. But in the end he's going to say depart from me. You workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You, you dressed like I told you to dress. But your heart was full of dead men's bones. That's legalism. That was what the Pharisees were. Now, why are we supposed to be liberal? Because we are supposed to be compassionate. We are supposed to be loving. We are supposed to exude the love of God. We're supposed to be merciful and kind to people. We're supposed to be liberal in those things. But we are supposed to adhere to the word of God. We cannot be the apostolic church without having apostolic holiness and distinction. And the last one, number 12, is apostolic structure. And we're working on that. The offices in the Scripture were actually bishops, elders, and deacons. Bishops, elders, and deacons. Those were the three offices of government in the church, not superintendents, not presbyters. Um, bishops, elders, and deacons. And that's if you're watching, don't don't use that to cause an offense about my organization. I'm not, I'm not here to tell people what to do. I'm just telling you, the Bible said bishops, elders, and deacons. And yet in 2013, when I was ordained as bishop, which I never asked for, I was uncomfortable at that moment, and I've been uncomfortable ever since with the role and the office and the title. It's uncomfortable. And I've taken a lot of criticism for being ordained as something I never asked for that seems strange to religious people. It's Bible. I am an overseer of multiple congregations. That is the work of a bishop. The Bible said if any man desired the office of a bishop, meaning it's not even wrong to desire the office of a bishop. I never desired it. But he said, if you were to desire it, here's the qualifications. It's right there in the scripture. He must be the husband of one wife. Check. <laughs> and he goes on down and he gives, he gives the litmus test. I, I don't know what it is about people that, that we can't let God form the church. We, we can't let him structure the church the way that he wants to do it now in, in there is ministries of helps and, and and there's a whole lot of stuff there's governments all of that. now I, I want to say this about any church and that includes us that includes us I'm not pointing the finger out there I'm saying this about us or any church any church that is found on false doc- founded on false doctrine And is not intentionally applying these principles, is mimicking the apostolic church. They're not the apostolic church. And I'm including us in that. That's why I'm teaching this tonight. That's why I'm being intentional. I don't want to mimic the enemy, definitely has the opposite in place. What are the opposites of the above? Well, it looks like a church. It acts like a church, but it has no authority. It has no power. It has no boldness. It's got false doctrine. I don't need to go down all of them. Just because they fellowship, just because they teach the word, does not make them a church. There's only one model for the church, and that's the book of Acts. If it doesn't look like that, it's not a church. Stand with me if you would. And uh, I, I, I just want to pray this prayer tonight, and I want you to I want you to pray this individually for yourself. And I'm I'm praying out of sincerity. I am I am desperate on this pursuit that the Lord has had me on for decades to see revival and harvest on a scale like we've never seen it before. And that's, I mean that all over the world. I'm not, I'm not talking about greater faith at large. I'm talking about the church all around the world, the apostolic church. We, I, I want to see it. I want to be a part of it. I don't have to get any credit for it. Nobody has to call my name. I can stand, I can stand in a corner somewhere as long as I'm getting to participate in some way in what is happening. We can't do it until every member of the body takes personal responsibility to intentionally strive to line to align their lives with the apostolic church. And so I want to pray this over us here tonight. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would impart something to us as the people of God, every believer. We thank you, Lord, for the born-again experience, the new birth, repentance, water baptism in the only saving name of Jesus for the remission of all of our sins. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And I thank you, Lord, for the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. That is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's the new birth. I thank you for that experience. I thank you, Lord God, for conviction. And I thank you, Lord, for modesty, and I thank you for godliness and righteousness in this present world, God. Help us, Lord, to let our light so shine before men that they may behold our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. I thank you for those things. I thank you for separating me unto yourself and declaring me righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the sacrifice who became the propitiation for my sins. Lord, beyond that, I pray that you would help us to intentionally apply these 12 principles of the apostolic church. Help us, Lord, to be everything that you have called us to be, everything, Lord, that you desire for us to be. We are not here to act. This is not a dramatic presentation. This is not an emotional outburst that we have in here on Thursdays and Sundays. But, Lord, it is an earnest desire for the will of God to be done. And I release gifts in this place. I release the gifts of the Spirit in every believer. I release people to begin to flow, God. But not to just prophesy to one another, Lord, but to move and to minister to the sinner and to the backslider. Put that word of knowledge, God, in their spirit at the appropriate time and that word of wisdom. Put a prophetic word, God, on them. The discerning of spirits as they stand in front of people, Lord, who need to be set free from the chains of darkness. I pray, God, that you would raise up men and women of God in this place to be used mightily. I pray, Lord, for apostolic authority to set down on this church in a measure we've never seen it before. We thank you for it, Lord. We believe that you've heard us, and we say amen in Jesus' name. Would you say in Jesus' name? Amen. God bless you. I want you to—I'm thankful for those of you that have been messaging me, telling me—